0: Okay, we're getting a little bit sad today on Tell Me About Your Mother. We're going to talk about maternal loss. So we've talked before in season one about maternal estrangement, and there's a lot of crossover, actually, between estrangement and loss. But obviously, it's a little bit different. This episode, we're talking to Lauren Muscarella. She's the author of Alice's Law, which is a book about processing grief when you lose a mother in particular parent but really mostly a mother so lauren lost her mom when she was in her 20s she was pretty young and they had a good relationship but of course it also had some drama in it here and there as most mother-daughter relationships do And when she lost her mom, she just felt like she had a lot of stuff to process about it. And every book she found just wasn't telling her the stuff that she needed to know. So she had to kind of forge her own way. And then she decided, maybe I should write this stuff down. So other people who've gone through this experience have something to turn to. That's where the book came from. And a lot of our conversation covered those topics as well. The cool thing is I actually found Lauren because of another guest on Tell Me About Your Mother, Renita, who you might remember from the last episode of season one. They were friends, and when I met Renita at her place in D.C., she said, oh, you know, you should maybe talk to my friend Lauren. She wrote this book, and she had Lauren's book, and I looked through it. And so anyway, eventually I finally got it together and got in touch with Lauren, and we managed to have this conversation. I hope you enjoy. I'm Amy Westervelt, and this is Tell Me About Your Mother. Can you tell me
1: a little bit about sort of your relationship with your mom growing up?
2: Yeah, of course. I would say that my mom is a very unconventional person. She was a vegetarian. She raised as vegetarian. She grew up in a very difficult environment her parents are probably like not really that available or around and I mean I don't think that you would ever know that from meeting her though she just like she was very smart she maybe wanted to compensate for those things like read a lot very interesting had very unique opinions and takes on things uh, which is a little intimidating as a kid to grow up around. She's very, <laughs> like you know, when someone has a big personality and is like, she's very charismatic, but also like uh, very charismatic yet insecure, which is a strange combination when you see people reacting to someone so positively and then them not really seeing that too. Uh, just like a really dynamic kind of, I mean, I run into people still because I live in Massachusetts, where I grew up, I moved back like a little while after she died, and I still run into people who are like, "Oh, your mom is so unique." So you know, she just she's the type of person I think that you meet, and as a character, and the beauty of that character is that they don't even realize how great they are. It's like so kind of endearing in a way, but you know, challenging if you're her daughter. But yeah, I mean, we always had a great relationship. We did a ton of things together. She was very challenging, very. I mean, New England is like a pretty, you know, we like hard work here. And, you know, she was very tough on me and wanted me to be the smartest and the best at, at so many things. Um, yeah. So she's a very, we, you know, we had, I would consider it a friendship, uh, in some ways, but I think that was more her masterminding behind the scenes and wanting it to seem like a friendship so that, <laughs> you know, so that she would be. <laughs> Be like a confidant, you know. I was too young to really get the nuance of it. Uh, so, you know, she. I mean, so I love my mom, but you know, it, it's hard for me. You know, so she died when I was 20 years old, and I wouldn't say that like at that particular juncture, our relationship was the strongest that it ever was. I mean, you know, you're a teenager. Things definitely changed. when I was a yeah. teenager, like they would for anyone. It can be very contentious. It was challenging for her just because her youngest child and do- only daughter was growing up, but then you know, she was also struggling. I didn't realize, she didn't really tell me and I didn't realize how bad it was, but also struggling with her cancer at the same time. So I wouldn't say that, and I was, and she didn't want to tell me because she didn't want me to not go away to college. So I went away to school and I wouldn't say that we, yeah, that it was, you know, that's when you're becoming your own person and you're kind of, you would, whenever I would have come back to her and had developed a more adult relationship with her, I never had that chance. So even though, like any mother-daughter relationship, very complicated. You know, I love her, but there were still things that I felt like in a relationship I had to work through after she died or after I was a little bit older.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's rough. So what prompted you to start thinking about, you know, maybe I should write about this or, you know, this kind of, um, I don't know, like this kind of grieving process isn't really addressed in a lot of books that are out there. Yeah,
2: I would say that that process was kind of lengthy and didn't really start anywhere that I would have thought that I would have written a book about it. Mm-hmm. I Initially, after my mom died, I felt this really intense feeling like people were going to forget her and she didn't, you know, like a lot of people of my mom's generation were very smart, but didn't necessarily have all of the opportunities that would have helped them excel in a career. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: I think my mom saw a lot of opportunities that were like, okay, but not better than spending time with her family. And she tried a couple different things. She started a a business where she was helping other people who had cancer learn how to um, cook a macrobiotic diet. And she Mm -hmm. started doing these articles in the newspaper about how to cook your cancer alternatively. And it really kind of, ahead of her time stuff. I mean, now that sounds really normal because Madonna's, you know, macrobiotic it up, but at the time it was like <laughs> 1991 and that was really not talked about. She yeah. was really um, ahead of her time just really reading about it and she went completely macrobiotic after she was first diagnosed. I don't know. I felt like she had been robbed somehow of people knowing her story and knowing about her and feeling like it was unfair. And then she had written this book for our a children's book for one of our neighbors. Her best friend's younger son was having a hard time being in at school. She wrote this little book about when she was a little kid and how she had a hard time in different grades. And then by the time she was 8th grade, in 8th grade, figured it out. And she realized other kids have problems too, and it's not just her. And, you know, she doesn't like her house, but, you know, her other friend is you know, can't gain weight and has straggly hair and you know she really hates you know like that everyone has their own little yeah. like kid things and it's really really cute and I was like oh it'd be so great if I could put that book together just so that it could exist you know like illustrate it right and, right and have it yeah um not that there's a lot of money in children's books but just that just to do it um and and be like you know she did things and you know she was more than just yeah. mom and uh, so that was my fr- initial idea. And then, you know, I was like just out of college and I was working and I didn't really do anything with it. And it's sort of in the back of my mind. And then I started, you know, was not doing well and having a really hard time trying to understand my mom's death. And just, I kind of thought it was like, oh, it's, you know, it's just sad and you miss somebody, but it's very complicated. Your relationship with them still exists. They're just not there. So I started looking for resources to read about it and everything I read was just so clinical and so dense and so boring and hard to relate to. And, or it was some, just somebody else's story completely with like, Oh, here's like me dialoguing all of my depression. I'm like, I'm fe- fully versed in how this feels. <laughs> I'm trying to get on the other side. <laughs> um, So, yeah, so that was, like, just a frustration. And then it started with just, like, a blog that I wanted to write about. After I kind of started feeling better, I realized that the things that helped me feel better were not these, like, idiotic books. And that I wish that some of those books had been a little bit more encouraging and funny and light-hearted, and, like, you're going to figure this out. And, yeah, it was just a – I started out as a blog called Mama Quest, and it was supposed to just be me interviewing – And talking to, like, her siblings and my family and her friends and just trying to find out stories I had never heard before so that we could kind of continue in a relationship and, like, share those things with people. And then once I wrote the blog, I had a lot of people reach out to me with their own loss, like, people I went to school with or people I was in college with. And I had no idea that they had also lost parents. And... They just started sending me their stories. So then I started another website where I put up those stories. And then I started doing more research and finding like how else do people, I got really interested in like, how could I honor and remember her and kind of keep this relationship going so that every year I'm, I'm doing things and then it's not just lost completely. And that's sort of how it happened. And I started doing like little essays here and there and they all kind of came together for the book, and I was just to really, I mean, in some ways, I feel like I just wrote it for my dad and brothers, who I thought would like never read a book about loss, unless I wrote one. <laughs> um, so, so, and my dad does sometimes, he'll call me and be like, oh, I read your book again. And I was like, There's a lot of really good stuff in <laughs> And he's not like a super emotional guy. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's sort of why I ended up writing it, and I, yeah, it. I just wanted to write a book about grief that was like people. My number one comment, I think people take away, is like that book's kind of funny. I'm like, yeah, that's good, right? Like you, why do you want to be writing a grief book that's depressing? You're like, I'm already depressed,
1: right? Right. Do you remember or can you share any of the um the stories that you got when you like did your very first blog and you were interviewing people? Like, was there anything that stuck out as Something that um, I don't know, like surprised you, or that you were like, "Oh wow, I would have never thought about um, about your mom."
2: I was really astounded by how much my mother's loss had meant to some people who hadn't expressed it in any way. I don't know if that. So I talked to her siblings, and really, I've had almost no contact with her siblings since she's died, and in the rest of her family, and. I, and it, it's not, I think, personal. I think it's that it's so much for them to cope with the loss of losing their sibling for their own mortality and for their own narrative. And it, that really surprised me. I tried to reach out to her brother and he didn't want to talk to me. And I, was at the time, really couldn't understand it. I was like, why wouldn't you, you know, if your child came to my mom, my mom would talk to your son for, you know, 10 hours <laughs> because that's who she is. but and she oh, there There's one other story. Yeah, so that really surprised me. The one other story that really I went to my symphony French French teacher after I moved back to Massachusetts. I was sitting with her, and she told me the story about after her husband died, my mom came to her house to help her and like figure out what she needed. And I never heard that story, but I was also like, that sounds like that's real. Yeah. That was one of the only stories, that, but yeah, just the, I think the other thing that surprised me was just how much it impacted other people and how they didn't really have the way to articulate their feelings and, and kind of work through it and were just struggling. And even my friends, I think, you know, my friends, I like, my friends grew up with my mom, some of them, some of them only met her once being in college or something, and they were, you know, greatly impacted by her loss for their friend, for me, you know, being sad for me, being sad for her, thinking about their own mom, that they're going to lose them, you know, I didn't realize how complicated it was for everyone around me.
1: Yeah, yeah. Did that help you feel like, um, I don't know, just sort of like less alone in in how you were feeling about it?
2: Um, it made, I think it made me more empathetic and sensitive, and it made me kind of hopeful that if I did something to remember lost loved ones, that there were people out there who wanted it. I was sad too. I was like, I don't want my friends to be sad that, you know, that I lost
1: my mom. I feel bad.
2: Yeah. I think that that was my, my biggest. Yeah. Right. Very um,
1: were your parents, were your parents married when your mom? Yeah. Died? They
2: were super grossly
1: in love. And Really? I, That's cute.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's cute. It's so cute. And I know so many people who didn't have that story growing up. And I think it, nice in some respects to have this couple that you kind of look up to and I can definitely see my brother's marriage and you know they set a great example but you know it's also really heartbreaking to watch my dad lose this love of his life but yeah I mean I think maybe like a year before she died I was home for Christmas break and I came downstairs thinking they were like making (laughs) out and then they like pulled apart like I'm the parent and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know <laughs> I was like oh so gr-. like they were constantly holding oh, yeah it's like oh parents yeah <laughs> they were constantly holding hands like they held hands in the car they held hands on the
1: couch um yeah they were very cute that's really sweet um do you feel like there's other things um I don't know like as as you kind of like get older are there things that you um sort of realized now that we're kind of instilled in you by your mom or like, um, I don't know, just ways that, that watching her um, as a woman, like influenced how you perceive your life or opportunities to you. Like, I know you mentioned before that, that, um, you know, she wanted you to like have all these opportunities and that um, I don't know that like women of that generation, you know, kind of, in many ways, like no matter how smart or ambitious or anything they were, just had, you know, some limits put on them. Oh yeah, oh, um, I'm just um, curious yeah, like what, yeah, how that impacted you. You know how you feel about you know planning your life out based on on watching that.
2: Yeah, no, it's something that I think about uh, pretty frequently. I think, if, and I've talked about this with other people who have. Like my parents were, I guess, a little bit older. Not really, but I have parents who were born after World War II. And most people's parents who were my age, I think, were born a little bit later. But um yeah, she wasn't definitely given the opportunities that she wanted. So she wanted me to have those things. But I feel like there was also this internal conflict of jealousy of like and a lot of people I think had that same thing of like their moms really wanted them to see And do the things that they were not unable to do. And it's like you weren't doing those things constantly or the right way. I think there was a pang of pain on their end. Like, oh, but you could do this. you doing this. Like, Mm -hmm. I wish I could do that, you know. And then on the flip side, being really encouraging, like, you know, make sure you have a job that you really love and, you know, don't take it. So it is this, like, (laughs) and then on another, on the flip side, you know, what I want my mom do was be a mom and be a wife yeah. and so those are the things I learned how to do so I feel like incredibly competent in being a mom and a wife and like you know I can cook and I can do all these things and I can manage a household and I can you know I feel like I learned those skills from her which are not necessarily that applicable in the workforce and yeah so the, I feel like I learned that and I'm like, I am like okay this is you know, almost as if this is what you're trained to do because is what you see. Um, but at the same time, you have this message of, no, 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 you don't have a career. And what what complicates it in some ways, you know, her dying completely changed what I wanted to work on and what I wanted to do in some ways. Like, I think I may have had a much more conventional career if she hadn't died. And I probably wouldn't even live in Boston. I would be like, well, my parents have each other and they don't need me. And, and I'd probably be some, I'd be somewhere else. But, but that's not what happened. So I took, like, a job in D.C. So I right. kind of close, right. and I stayed in D.C. After I graduated, I didn't want to be too far away. And I, you know, settled in with a boyfriend. I in, like, like, oh, for a long, long time. Like, too long for someone to that young. Just because I felt this need to have, like, stability and family. I, after I left my job in D.C., I kind of feel like I had it. And came back to Boston. And I had much more mm-hmm. conventional you know, career. And pursued these things, like my blog and my book and I put a lot of time I don't think I would have spent time doing those things it's hard to say I have no idea but I, I think I would have um probably wanted to keep my mother's advice to have a career that was really stable and secure but you know, it would have had I think a different look about it
1: yeah I know you mentioned before that you you know kind of what you saw your mom doing was like being a wife and mom and you learned certain things mm-hmm. um on that front like what are what are some of the things that kind of stand out to you on that front
2: um yeah I mean my mom was you know very loving and really fun but I feel like you know she was very strict and had a lot of parameters on us and Mm -hmm. I I, my brother went the other way kind of (laughs) he has not done necessarily the same thing with his kids and as a result they are like so fun and they have the best personalities ever so i do worry that i'll like i'll overdo it but yeah i i i see that that structure and that those parameters that she gave us and being hard on us um maybe sounds old-fashioned but it's definitely something i want to mimic she always talked to me like i was an adult and that's something i do with my my nephews now and i will carry on with my kids and i feel like when you talk to children like they're adults kind of elevates them and they're like oh wow okay I'm kind of I know stuff and I have my Mm -hmm. own thoughts and things and like this is really kind of cool and I think it made me really unpopular with teachers and authority figures (laughs) but (laughs) I feel like ultimately it was a good thing (laughs) um to kind of like it made yeah it sort of empowered me in this jedi kind of feminist way that doesn't seem very feminist uh Mm -hmm. to have my own voice and understand why i want certain things and yeah that's definitely something i'll mimic but she was also you know she taught me a lot about being i think a wife too you know she was always like in your relationship you have to make sure that you it's your job to make sure that the other person feels special because that's what you are to each other you're you're each other's person yeah she just I think those are the two biggest things Um, but easier said than done who knows I I could like slide right into the the mac and cheese world and just like never go back
1: (laughs) I I can't predict it
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean I'm trying to I'm thinking like it's gonna be banned from my home but I don't know if I can do it she was really strict with food like my mom cooked everything homemade and barely used any salt and like uh I'm trying to think of for me and my brother what we thought was like oh wow tonight we're having like i don't know honestly i can't think of it <laughs> probably like yeah. on christmas yeah. we had like lasagna without meat obviously we we're like wow this is the best day ever <laughs> um, cuz mostly it was like it's like homemade hummus and tabbouleh with, you know, one whole wheat pita and mm-hmm. some salad on the side or lentil soup, not too much salt. You don't want to go too much salt on the lentil soup. Uh, those are
1: That's of- so funny. Do you feel like uh, you on. are like a, he- like a healthy eater yourself just sort of naturally now because of that? Or do you like yeah. totally want junk food?
2: Um, Probably both. I mean, there's no junk food in my house. There's nothing you can mm-hmm. snack on in my house. You have to make everything. We do eat meat though, but I don't eat a ton of meat. I make everything, um, and I don't go as crazy as my mom, where she like made bread and stuff. But um yeah, I make everything from scratch, mm-hmm. and I do. Yeah, I don't. I think because of it, I can't control myself around junk food, which is why it's not allowed in our house. And my <laughs> boyfriend, my my boyfriend emigrated from Russia when he was. and it's sort of similar experience that we have because he came here at 10 and he was like oh my god there's all this stuff and they, he and his family for like a year just ate like so much junk food because they were like they they didn't have it in Russia so for both of us it's nice that we kind of align on this that we're like we can't control ourselves we have zero so we just can't bring it into the house (laughs) that's so so funny (laughs) and what's really funny is that one time my mom later on I don't know how old I was but She was so strict because we weren't allowed to have sugar and, like, maybe we would have, like, one cake. And she did tell me, like, right before she said, she was like, I wish that I could go back. She was like, being healthy is really important. I wish I could go back and not be so strict about certain things. I mean, she would show up to our barbecues with, like, tofu hot dogs and, you know, organic mustard and whole wheat. I mean, she was like made for this generation that's happening right now. She like totally, she would be like, what? There's gluten free everywhere. There's like all this food. She was like, sometimes I would leave you at home with your brother. My brothers are loud and sick. I'd leave you at home with your brothers and I'd just, I'd go down to friendlies and get a sundae on my own. And I was like, mom. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like
2: she even, like she put these parameters out for us and she couldn't even abide by them. It's so funny. I, like, I could just like picture her in the like Toyota Camry with her ice cream sundaes. <laughs> that was so ridiculous. Over, tell your
1: children not to hold my hand. Tell your children not to understand.
0: Tell Me About Your Mother is produced by me, Amy Westervelt, with additional production help from Michael Ann Petrella and Natalie Weckeser. Our music is by B. Beeman, that's B-H-I-B-H-I-M-A-N, and original illustrations for each episode are drawn by James Guthman. You can follow us on Twitter at About Your Ma or on Insta at That's T. M. A. Y. M. P. O. D. We're part of the Critical Frequency Podcast Network. That's the network that I co-own with Maya Francis, another journalist. She and I really feel strongly about supporting women podcasters, and we hope you do too. If you feel the same, please check out our Patreon campaign. It's under Critical Frequency, and any donations there benefit all the podcasts on the network. So if you can give, please check it out. If you can only give a little bit of your time, we understand and we'll take it. Please give us a review or a rating at the podcast store or wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps us find listeners in the increasingly crowded world of podcasts. If you want to get in touch to suggest someone to interview or you have feedback for a show or just want to talk about your mom in general, feel free to shoot me a note anytime. I'm at amy at criticalfrequency.org. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thank you.